got my family here. A lot of you guys do have family. I can see grandparents and parents. Um, Mark and Bianca, Stala's sister, my brother-in-law, and little Cruz, who's a little champ. Uh, and Ashley's helping Stala in the mother's room. They surprised the grandparents. Um, and I've got a simple title this morning. It's called A Longing Fulfilled. And I think uh, there was a longing fulfilled in Ash and Nadine as, as their favorite daughter came through. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we all know Geordie is the favorite. That's Stala's younger brother. He's 100% the favorite. And then there's, there's just a slight pecking order after that, eh, Mark? <laughs> but what a strange year we're living in. Um, I think uh, I, I was on the playground with my kids the other day. You have to say that with my kids, otherwise you're a creep. Um, but uh, I, was, I was just playing there, and this little girl comes up to me, and she goes, uh, she just like taps me on my back. I'm like, first of all, social distancing, calm down. And then, um, so she taps me, and then I, she goes, you mustn't play with my brother's toys because we don't want to spread coronavirus. Like, so I said, listen, give me your toys, I'm going to lick them. Um, and then I saw like about 10, 15 minutes later, the kids were playing, and someone was throwing the bubbles around, and they're like, don't get near the bubbles, it's coronavirus. This is just a strange, strange year. And it's, uh, it's been like the, the year of conspiracy theories. Can we agree? It's just like, man, uh, you just t- take a little browse on Facebook, and some people who you thought were relatively intelligent, you're like, okay, no, well, that's not happening. You know what I mean? Like, we're not, there's not like aliens. There's not all this other stuff that's kind of being, this is a, this is a pandemic. It's a once in a hundred years. Maybe it'll happen sooner in, in our lifetime. Let's hope not. We can thank the Lord for the vaccine that's being spread across the earth. It's a savior of sorts, but we don't put our faith in that. But it's just, I mean, I was even sitting with Raya, and she knows when the, she knows the dad with a mask on, mask off, and eventually she looks at me, she just pulls it down, like a peekaboo, it's like a, it's a permanent like peekaboo thing, you know, I just think we're living in unprecedented times, we're living, there's some people in our, in our church community have lost loved ones, friends, we mourn with them, and uh, if there's ever a moment where we need some hope, and we need Christmas, it's today, and I want to say Merry Christmas, not from the place where we've got gifts under the tree, which is all good, it represents us, the gift from heaven, but Merry Christmas. Jesus came and dwelt with us. He came and lived with us. Uh, and if you're taking notes, which I doubt any of you are, <laughs> except for Nate and Ash, he's going to use the sermon next year. Um, <laughs> most of us have had longings fulfilled in some ways. Big, small uh, Jordy arrived and all he wanted to do, sorry, for those of you who don't know, Jordy is my brother-in-law, loves uh, Shake Shack, but he's literally been eating um, what steak, tuna, and provitas, which is like a little South African snack, for months. So he can come, when he arrives, he just says, I'm going to binge. And we were sending each other photos of, of Shake Shack, and, and he loved that. And he had a moment where his longing was fulfilled. So it's a small little longing fulfilled. You have bigger things. Uh, many of you know our story, Stahl and I longed for 10 years for kids, uh, we're trying, no avail, we like Jesus, it was many, there's some good and, and just low moments, and, but eventually God gives us twins, and as I was saying to Ash, and he's like, now you're longing for sleep, I'm like, yeah, I was longing for babies, now I'm longing for sleep, and God, a Christmas miracle happened last night. Uh, Rocco slept for like a solid six hours, which was just, thank you, Jesus. Let's just give Jesus a round of applause for that so I can actually preach this morning. For those of you who aren't clapping, you obviously don't have kids, okay? (laughs) 
We've been built and designed with a longing for us. Blaise Pascal is an inventor, philosopher, theologian. He says this. He says, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And I think if, if, if we look beyond the presence and these beautiful lights and the team that's done so much work and those people that were involved in the Christmas initiative, all of that stuff, it's like that should all point to Jesus. It should all point to Jesus and, and Him filling our hearts and becoming the, the thing that we need over this period. Because like Ryan spoke last week, joy is a, is a thing that it's a gift from God. Happiness is, is circumstantial. So we can have a happy moment over Christmas. January comes and we're like, oh, I'm back to work. Then you're sad again. You're letting the, the, the moments dictate your, your, in, your internal being. Where joy should come from Jesus. It should be permanent in our hearts. Yeah. And that's how we get fulfilled. So let's, let's look in our Bibles to Luke 2. In those, days, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went up to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the Lion of David. So there's just this picture that's being built here. Verse 5, he went, through, uh, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. And he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her son, uh, her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Keeping watch over their flocks at night, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. If that happened right now, I think we'd be terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I'll bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign that you will find a Signed to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared, uh, and the angels and the praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and, and, and on earth peace, and to, to those on whom his favor rests. The angels left, and the story carries on. And I've got three quick points in the next 10 minutes. Let's see if that can happen. 10, 15 minutes. First of all, these weren't like, like kind of well thought out. It's just literally what the scripture is telling, telling us. It says he came, first point, he came as a baby born in Bethlehem. And in this moment, there was this huge chasm between God and us that God came down. Born amongst us, one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. It's joined with Mary. It was this forever deal. It, wasn't, it was, can never break. It can never, from that moment 2,000 years ago, or the exact dates we don't know, but it's around 2,000 years ago, everything changed. God was now joined with humanity through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
He was born to a virgin teenage girl. I mean, we must just think about these things. So I'm, this, uh, we can like become so over-familiar with the Christmas story. And I was praying this beginning of this week as I started to prep. I said, God, would, this, would the weight of the story begin to live in my heart truly? Not just as a surface thing, not just as something we get through so we can get to lunch, which I'm sure some of you are thinking that right now. But it actually begins to change me. And she was carrying a baby as a teenage girl. We don't know the exact age, say 16 to 18, somewhere around there. But Starla is pregnant at the moment. And uh, she, has been, she had a thing called a sciatic nerve pain. Who knows what that is? Basically, Star just walks like this. She's been in a lot of pain. She's been to chiropractors. She's, uh, and it's, getting, it's slowly getting better. But I was thinking, I wonder, if, I wonder if Mary had this. And she's sitting on a donkey, as we read in other, in other Gospels. Did she, have, uh, did she itch? Some woman itching pregnancy. Starla itched un- uncontrollably in the last... I mean, I would go out at like 2 in the morning and try to buy like, cream that would stop her from itching. I mean, was Mary going through all of these things? Did Mary have cravings? Maybe some crushed barley. I don't know what they ate then. Hummus. Um, did Mary have SPD? Like, you know what I mean? We have, to put, we have to put ourselves into the story. This is a teenage girl who's kind of almost being rejected by society in some ways because she's like, listen, I'm pregnant. I haven't, I haven't kind of uh, consummated the marriage with Joseph, but I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And the, everyone's going, oh, whatever. You know, it's like, and he, she's living in the space. Birth is messy. It's not like you kind of can read the story that Jesus, oh, there wasn't room and Jesus just slid out and he was perfect. And I mean, I, for, we don't know, but I don't know if there was midwives there, but for all intents and purposes, Joseph delivered Jesus. Brought Jesus into the earth. Mary had no painkillers. She was just there in a barn, not this clean uh, hospital. When, when I remember when Starla went into labor, she had kind of been feeling a, a little bit off the night before. She's like, I'm in a little bit of pain. So we went to the doctor, and they said, no, it's fine. Just come back tomorrow. We'll see what happens. 11 o'clock the next day. I, I mean, at 9 o'clock, I decide I'm just going to go out for a bit. You know, like I arrive back, and Starla's like, I'm in labor. So I put her in the wheelchair because she had a rough pregnancy, and I literally just like, pushed her down the aisle. I'm like, shouting to the lady that works, get this, get that, and we jump in the car, and we hit traffic, and we had like, school traffic down that side. I'm just rebuking the pain, and I'm like, I don't even know if that's going to work because at the end of the day, this is all part of the, the story. Uh, we go upstairs, and Starla definitely had a birth plan. She's a planner, okay? Uh, I, I can kind of just wing things a little bit, but Starla has things planned out. She had, I've got to have this fan, I've got to have my Evan water, I've got to do all that. She's, she was ready, you know? And, and like, so we're sitting there and Starla's just like, ah! I'm like, calm down, it's not that bad. <laughs> and um, she's, she's, she's like, and then the, the, the nurse comes in, she goes, listen, you, because you took this one medicine this morning, we're going to have to put you under full like, anesthetic. You're going to be out the, the whole night. Uh, sorry, for the whole birth, and I'm like, no, she doesn't want that, she wants to, and I'm like arguing with the doctors, and Starla's like, give me the medicine, and like, whatever it is, so a few minutes later, Starla's in theater, the babies are being born, the first little cry I think I heard was Rocco, next little cry was Raya, the, I wasn't allowed in because of this, this because, of, because Starla was fully under, it was just this crazy moment, but birth is never pl- planned as you, as you expect. And Mary was in this moment where she's it's like, I wonder if she had a birth plan. There's no doubt that Joseph didn't plan ahead, okay? Because there was no room in the inn. I mean, she can use that whole thing. Like, listen, I'm carrying the Savior of the world. You better sort me out. It better be like the... It wasn't any of that. It was, it was this backwater town in the middle of the, the outpost of the Roman Empire. 
And Jesus, the Son of God, was born. He was born into Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the, the, the meaning of the word is the house of bread. Everything that happens in Jesus' life, uh, birth, is pointing towards something. If I point it over there, you're not going to look at my finger. You're going to look at where I'm pointing towards. Everything in Jesus' birth was pointing towards ultimately his death, burial, resurrection, the fulfillment of prophecy that one day Jesus is, has made everything right, but is going to consummate things and make things absolutely everything right. That, were, that is what it was pointing towards. He was wrapped in cloth in a manger, a feeding trough for the, for the animals. He became the, the, the bread of heaven. Jesus even said of himself in John, he says, I am the bread of life. We need to hear this over Christmas. We can have an amazing Christmas day. And I, I just, uh, I've been so grateful. I just walk around where we live and I'm just thanking God so much. And, uh, and I, I just, we can be thankful for these moments. And I think we, we on a bit of a high. We've got family, there's gifts, there's food, there's all that. But like, where does, where's the real joy in my heart? Is it with Jesus? Is it Jesus because he's, because he's living in my heart? Is he bringing the true joy of Christmas in this time? We see he's wrapped in a cloth that parallels his death. He eventually was wrapped and laid in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Everything in Jesus' birth was pointing towards what he was going to be doing. There's a great quote by Augustine. He says, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. We can only find this in Jesus. We can only find this as we begin our longings fulfilled. Ultimately is when we begin to look at Jesus. Number two, he came for everyone. The amazing thing is that Jesus, uh, the angels didn't come announcing, they didn't go to the palaces, the places that are super wealthy. He goes to shepherds, blue-collar workers, the, the, the ordinary of, of society, if there is such a thing. And he goes there, and he, and, he, and he proclaims to them. He says, listen, you're going to go there. There's going to be a sign. That, and these, these guys understood that when there was a, a baby in a manger or a lamb in a manger, that lamb was being prepared for the slaughter, for the sacrifice of the sins of the people. So he says, this is a sign for you. He speaks to the shepherds. And if, for me, I, the lesson from that is that if God is into the ordinary, the plain, the mundane, and he announces to them, we should be. Our focus should not be on just this moment, but on those around us. He came for everyone. I love this quote by Daryl Johnson, a guy I've been listening to for a while. He says, the shepherds teach us that the bottom of the ladder is the place where we meet the living God. Christmas says we need not climb the ladder to get to God. Christmas says God comes down the ladder to get to us. God comes down the ladder to get to us. Once and for all, Jesus came. Eventually died on the cross for us. Jesus comes to meet us, dwell with us. The wording there says that he will bring great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. Not just the Jewish nation, but every single one of us. 2,000 years later, thousands of Christmases later, we're celebrating him, what he's done for us. And finally, as I land is that he came as the rightful king. Did, everyone, did anyone see the, the Bethlehem star on the 21st of December? You guys saw it. I went out to look for it. It was just clouds. Like the, the only day in Dubai where there's clouds, I was like, I mean, I may have missed it, the timing of it, whatever. But that is an event that's happened once, I think the last time was 800 years ago. It happened in the 12th century, and that's quite cool. 
I don't know if it means something. Maybe Jesus is literally coming back on the 31st of December. We don't know, you know. Um, but uh, there's an, the incredible prophecy about, because there's many prophecies leading up to Jesus' birth and uh, thousands. I mean, statistically, it is impossible for Jesus to fulfill like five of them, but he fulfilled like all of them. And one of them is, uh, it, uh, is Isaiah 9, which I'll read now. But the, word, the verse preceding that is Isaiah 8, verse 22. And it says, uh, Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they'll be thrust into darkness. And that's, uh, uh, they have this moment where it's like Isaiah 8. It's like, oh, there's, there's, there's no hope. And then it starts in Isaiah 9 verse 2. It says that people walking in a great, in, in a great darkness have seen a great light. And then Isaiah 9 6 says, for, us, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Starts in Isaiah 8. They're looking down to the, essentially to the world, to the governments, to, to the world. We're in, in a time where we're looking around, who's going to save us? Who's going to help us? And then Isaiah says, you have to just look up and you'll see the king that is the perfect government. And uh, it's amazing how Luke actually writes this gospel and he sets it in a historical setting. And he mentions Caesar Augustus. So there's not one wasted word in the Bible. And if you go look and study about who Augustus was, he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He became the ruler after a bloody civil war. Uh, he brought in Pax Romana, which means Roman peace, that in the, in the, in the known world, in the Roman world, there's absolute peace under his rule. Well, he used violence to get there, but that sounds quite familiar to today. Um, he turned the Roman Republic into an empire. And how's this? He would proclaim... Justice and peace that, sorry, that he had brought justice and peace to the whole world. He also declared that his father Caesar was divine, therefore making him the son of God. Can you see the parallels that Luke was writing into? It's like, he's like, there's the earthly guy whose flesh made. He's, the, he's proclaimed his dad as divine, making him the son of God. And he says that it, people would say about Augustus that he is the savior of the world. And in that, in that moment, in this far backwater town, the, the real king was born. Not with the pompous of Rome, no announcements uh, in, into the high levels, but just these prophecies for those who are listening over for thousands of years saying, when is the, when is the Savior coming? For those who have, really have an attentive ear to what God is doing. And I think even in this Christmas time, we can miss what God is doing in 2020, in, 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 a, dark, in a dark, difficult year. We can miss actually what God is doing. Augustus never heard of Jesus, but within a century, the Jesus followers were being killed and persecuted. Within 300 years, the Roman Empire was declared as Christian. This little boy, and if I look at my little boy Rocco, the first, like, until he can walk, he's pretty helpless. You know what I mean? Like, he can't do much. Like, he's fully dependent on me. And, like, he hung onto our fingers for way too long when we were teaching him to walk. I'm like, no, dude, you need to walk. And eventually, just all of a sudden, he starts walking. But here, Jesus, the Son of God, becomes a helpless babe, as we, re as we sing in some of these songs. He becomes nothing, as it, as it says in Philippians 2. He, he, he comes in, the, in, the, in human form, and he dwells amongst us. And you've had over 2,000 years the rising and falling of governments, the rising and falling of empires, and one has stood true. It's Jesus. 
Even when the church missed it for a big chunk of their history. His words stay true. Jesus stayed true. And now we're celebrating who he is, what he's done. 2,000 years later, with the same weight, with the same power, with the same glory that there was 2,000 years ago. C.S. Lewis, and I think I've got the quote behind me, says, The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. He came, he dwelt with us, didn't end there, wasn't just this kind of messenger from heaven. He, he took on all of our sin, he died in our place on the cross, resurrected again so we could become sons and daughters of God. Can we stand to our feet? Father, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this incredible day that we get to celebrate your birth, which points towards your resurrection, towards life. And we're living in that life, Father. And just for anyone who hasn't um, given their lives to Jesus and uh, surrendered to him, uh, I, I want to give a moment. For those online, you can click that. Uh, there's a button. I don't know. I forgot. It's been so long since I've said any of this stuff. But uh, it's, you can click on the button. Uh, there's also a, a connect button. Please connect with some leaders. But if, if you know you're sitting out this morning, you need to make right with Jesus. And it's simply this. If we just we believe who he is, we believe what he's done for us. Just take a moment now. Father, we thank you for what you did for us. We thank you that you came and you lived with us. You died for us. So we could have life. So we could be in relationship with you. Thank you, Father. Amen.